Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me. Today, I have a friend with me from Cuba. He's a filmmaker. He actually has a film on Apple TV right now. So we're going to get into it and talk with Axel all about it. Axel Axe, how are you? Thank you for joining me. I'm doing great, Katie. Thank you for having me. I hope you're doing good in New York. Yeah, I'm loving it. It's so cozy. Thank you. I love the new view of your place. It's so chic. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're here in Hollywood. So been you know for me it's a big big deal because i grew up in cuba and came to america and since i was a kid my dream was to come to california work on films and uh, that's how you and i met uh, when we did another podcast and we were talking about film and my work as a producer and all that so it's been really interesting so i'm really excited to get into it talk about movies with you and talk about all the things that we like yeah let's just start from the the start well first your dreams of coming to america coming to specifically hollywood your in Hollywood, you have the ultimate view of downtown. I mean, you made it, you did it. And you're with your surrounded loved ones to boot. So I mean, I mean, that's like heart and heart number one. So let's talk about your journey um, in Cuba, anything you want to talk about? And then when did you have a distinct desire to come to America? And then um, and then when did you come to America? I grew up in Havana. And since I was a little kid, I always loved movies. You know, I was a big fan of Terminator 2 and all the action movies in Hollywood. So since I was like four or five, I can remember wanting to be in that world. And I also loved English and the sound and the music and all that. And I was lucky enough that I was invited to a film festival when I was 21 to go to Canada. And from Canada, I defected to Cuba and became a refugee and eventually became a citizen. So I've been in America for about 10 years. And it's an amazing country. And especially coming here to LA, which I've been here for about three years now, you know, it's beautiful. The light is beautiful. The people are amazing. Everyone's super creative and inviting. I've been really fortunate that I love working in film and I have been able to work in different big productions and learn and make my way up to the point that I can work full-time, working as a producer, as a director, and has been a super interesting journey, and I'm grateful every day that I get to do this. Yeah, speaking of gratitude, it's one of the things I admire about you the most, your spirit, your tenacity, who you are, what you stand for. You know, I'm Greek, and so I've traveled the world gratefully, and I've been able to connect with a lot of different kinds of people, and I find that people not who aren't from America, you know, who are more culture, just have this appreciation. So like with who you are and your gratitude and your appreciation of like the light and the skylines and just the simplistic things that are actually really important to remember to remember, you get to indulge and know these things. So I think that's why like you have such great relationships that you do and your outlook on life because of having that gratitude. I feel like a lot of people can learn from you and definitely follow your journey because you know, your values and your character that make up of who you are like says, says a lot. And I think, you know, more people like you, we would just have a happier planet and and better things happening in the world with more people like you specifically. Thank you. Yeah, you can be going through the worst times of your life. And if you choose to focus on the good side of whatever situation you're in, I think it's just going to help you enjoy that time, even though it's difficult. You know, for me, I spent many, many years away from my family. My close family has been through 
diseases and cancer and sickness and being away from each other. And it has been difficult. And I'm pretty sure whoever is listening right now, they have gone through their share amount of difficulties and challenges. But if you can stop for a little moment and just focus instead of, you know, like a camera, instead of focusing on the bad things, you choose to focus on the chances that you have or the opportunities that you have and the good that can be in your life. I think that's going to help you, you know, have a better life. Yeah. Speaking of having a better life, I mean, you're gorgeous, super flawless and glowing and your skin's amazing. So people, if they're on the video, they're probably like, oh my God, like stunning, flawless teeth. So good. Everything. So speaking about having a better life, like what do you do, you know, since you're from Cuba, like some of the foods that you eat, because I'm sure, you know, what you put into your body, you're probably very conscious and aware of that. So it kind of makes up the whole lifestyle to make quality choices and your mindset for mind growth. So maybe let's talk about like the nutritional aspect of like your culture and what connects you and your certain principles that you have to be able to at your core. Yeah, to be honest, Cuban food is really bad for you. So I don't eat Cuban food anymore. Uh, There's a lot of carbs, a lot of rice and beans, a lot of pork meat and a lot of fried things so right now the things that i eat are they have nothing to do with like my cuban roots and all that so i try to keep things really simple i'm really busy all the time i have a lot of commitments and meetings and shoots and things like that what i try to eat is the least amount of processed foods or frozen things as possible so i keep it simple with a good amount of protein healthy carbs and some veggies here and there, not a lot. To be honest, I try not to think too much about it. I think when you try to make your diet a very strict thing, at least in my experience, this is what works for me. So I know I need to eat my protein, so I try to do eggs, chicken, and some red meat. That's like your core. And then for the additional things, I have whole wheat uh, toast, some rice, and a lot of tomatoes, a lot of avocados, and that's pretty much it. That's I eat pretty boring. And then whenever I go out with friends or I go out to dinner, then I don't worry too much about what I'm going to eat in those moments. Because if you spend five, six days out of the week eating all your basic things, and then you have a couple of days that you go out and you have pizza, like I have pizza today for lunch. Uh, we had a shoot and I went with the- Oh my God, so right. New York pizza, so I know is definitely better than the pizza you had. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I don't worry too much about the pizza that I'm eating today because I know like yeah. yesterday I had healthy food and tomorrow I'm gonna have healthy food. So I try to yeah. do it in a way that I get to enjoy. You know, try to hit the gym as often as you can. That's pretty much it. I try to yeah. keep it simple and, you know, yeah. enjoy your life. Don't, don't yeah. make it something that you have to suffer for. It. Yeah, it sounds like you're just mindful, consciously aware of some kind of rotation, it seems. And then also, like, you were used the word diet, which I don't care for. Diet, it's more of a lifestyle. You know, I, I feel like diets don't work. Okay, enough with the health stuff. Let's dive in. So you came to L.A. three years ago what did you do like where did you start what happened so i came to la and i had already been working in in film and a couple tv series in atlanta so right after film school i went to atlanta for a couple years and that's where i got my start and i learned how to be a location scout and a location manager so for people who don't know in film every single beautiful place that you see in the films a locations department is in charge of finding those places securing the contracts with the owners of the city, getting all the permits, and figuring out all the logistics around going to film at a specific restaurant, building, house, 
anything of the like. So that's how I actually worked inside of big productions. So I was a director since I was in Cuba. I was directing music videos and short films and documentaries. Then I came to America. I went to film school. And again, I was a director. I had my degree in cinema and art. And But, you know, when you actually get to Hollywood, you are not going to get your first break just by, okay, here is $50 million. Go and make whatever art piece movie you want to make. So I have a question yeah. really quick. Um, where did you go to film school? I went to film school in Cleveland, Tennessee, in a small private school called Lee University. And how many years was the program? It was four years. So it was a full bachelor in arts program. So I had to take all the classes that you would take for a regular bachelor degree. And then on top of that, all of my film and cinema emphasis classes. And so through the process of film school, when you were done, were you like, yep, this is exactly what I want to do? Or through that discovery, did you find like, oh, this is what I want to do, like for you? Even before that, to be honest, even before I came to America, and actually film saved my life. Film is what got me out of the communist country and gave me a shot to come to America. So when I was about 14, 15, I started playing around with cameras and I shot my first music video. It was terrible, Katie. We were we had like dancing in the rain and like the song was very dramatic and it was like a love story and like it was really bad. But you know, as a teenager Congratulations. <laughs> but as a teenager, that's how I started. And with my friends, we would find ideas and we'll go out and shoot things. Uh, and I was studying computer science at the time. So I had a lot of time on the computer lab and I started liking more of the aesthetics and the design and Photoshop. And then I started playing with Premiere. So that's how I got my start. I started making things in Cuba. I was self-taught. I learned how to edit, how to shoot with the cameras. I did a lot of on my own of learning. And that's how I made a film that got into a festival in France. So I got invited to go to France to show my film there and then also made another short while I was in France. It was like a week for the festival. I went back to Cuba and got invited to another festival in Canada. And that's how I was able to leave Cuba and then defect to the US. So by the time, you know, by the time I was 20, I was already said, I want to make movies. This is what I want. And when you have a camera and you have an idea and you're able to put those things together and you have people, this magical thing happens that is to me is addictive. And it's like the most alive that I can feel is when I'm filming something. Mm. And I love the, the whole process. It's really difficult. It takes a lot of time, but I love it. Because you're a director and a cinematographer. So it, you get that feeling when you're actually holding the camera, or like pressing record or when you're dictating as a director, like all of it or like one or the other. Like what, how, when do you get that rise? Directing is definitely the, the most. Uh, I love the camera and working with the camera is fun. Directing is definitely the most fun. I love the camera and it's very fun for me, but being able to think of the story, think of the visual language that you want to use, working with the actors, yeah. knowing what the edit is going to be, directing is by far way more satisfactory than just playing with the camera. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you get to do it every single day. So and I know as like, you know, being an independent filmmaker, content creator, it's not every day and you have that vision and that excitability that keeps you going and growing to the next one. And there's so many moving parts and finances and with the people and organizing and having everyone come together and the location that you mentioned. So like in between all that, how do you find stability? You know, because, um, you know, when you're 20, and you're like in a teenage ear, it's like, yeah, you know, it's cool. But then you know, when you get like, 
like another decade or another another decade on top of that you know like um there's that in between where it's if it's not the you know the family support or if you don't have the family support the support from the school that gives you that core thing you need some kind of core so uh where did your journey go from there so in my case since i was going to the university i started my own production company and i was doing a lot of corporate and commercial work so doing that allows you to charge a high price for your work so you are able to make money so you can last longer trying to become a filmmaker or be a filmmaker. Once I got out of film school, I still kept my production company and then I used my time that now I don't have to go to school. I used that time to try to get inserted into big TV and film productions, even as an assistant, but I still kept my production company so I could still make money by making video and content for a company. So for a newbie coming and they're like, okay, well, how do I start a production company? Like, how does one start a production company to have that? For you to start a production company, the main thing that you need to get started is projects. You don't need to start a production company if you don't have a project that you need to make. What I would do is if you want to create a production company to make money right away and you're going to go the video production route, then try to find businesses, business owners, personalities events, people who need some kind of material made for them. And the moment you have someone that is willing to pay you money, you already have a production company. Then you go follow the the legal requirements to file in your state, get your actual documents and do everything legal. That's what I would focus on. Now on the film side, it's a bit more difficult because no one will give you money from the beginning if you haven't done something to show that you know what you're doing. So you almost have to create the production company and then go after the projects. But you know, you and and you have done this yourself because you have produced things on your own. The moment you have a a project, an idea, and you start making it, then you can say that you have a production company and again, follow the legal process to file that company with your state and have all the legal thing taken care of. But those are the main things that you need. To make a production company, you need projects. And then you start growing from there. But for a newbie, that's what I would focus on. Yeah, I remember like when I was a kid, the term was catch 22. So it was like when you're an actor, it's like, you know, to get a union job, you have to be union. But how do you get a union job if you're not? How can you get union if you don't if you haven't done a union job? And then they're like, there's three Taft-Hartleys or one speaking role. And it's like, it was always like this catch 22 kind of thing. So I think the way you explain it, it reminded me of that. So thanks for sharing. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have to go out and make it happen. And it's like, even if you shoot something that's bad and that's short, like a minute long, even like short, and you know, it has some kind of good quality. You reach out to local businesses and even do it for a couple hundred dollars to get started. But I don't know how social media was when you first started growing and going and doing it. But when I did, it wasn't how it is now. I mean, in 2023 now, everyone needs content creators. Like it doesn't matter. They're like, you make content like any elderly person will be like, yes, I'll pay you something to like make something even if you don't have some shishi resume, if it's like something local, like and you have that ambition in the drive and you just show them creatively things or like visions of your creative things that you know that you can do. 
And then you're like, hey, pay me half up front. Pay me half up front. I'll do the job. I'm going to do the job. If you don't like it, don't pay me the rest. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, you know, you could start small. I mean, that's everything's negotiated, right? It's negotiable. Like mm-hmm. everything's negotiable. Not two things are going to be the same. And so as independent creators, we need to know like the art of communication. So I know you went to school, you know, for filmmaking, but if maybe someone didn't go to school, do you have like a book or two you'd recommend for communication or filmmaking or an audio book or someone that you like on YouTube where they could study some technical basic things that like really supported you or people that you admire? Yes, for that specifically to how to use communication to tell a story into a a content creation uh, setting. There's a YouTube channel called The Future and the guy that runs that channel is a graphic designer, but he's always creating content about how do you tell the story from the brand perspective and how can you talk to clients? So when you're trying to build that for yourself, Let's say, and like you said, everyone needs content. And I would argue that even the business owners need content, not just for the business, but for themselves. And we as artists, and you're really good at this, every time you go to an event or something, you always like hit me up. Hey, Axel, can you bring the camera so we can get some clips and things like that? I think you do really a good job. And I'm always, I always respect that you put the extra work to capture that because even as an artist, photographer, singer, whatever it is that you do, I would start creating things for yourself. So I would recommend that channel and then podcasts like this one. I also have my podcast where I interview photographers and other filmmakers. That's where I go to. I try to go to the person that is doing what I want to do in the future and just listen to what they have to say and apply things in a simple manner at first. Start simple and start adding on slowly because even with me, like I've been doing this for over a decade. So like right now you were saying, oh, the camera looks good and the frame and everything. It's like, yeah, we have professional equipment. We know what we're doing. But if you're getting started, just don't compare yourself to the top. Understand that to get there, you just need to start and practice and you, you just need to improve a little bit bit every year and then in a few years you'll be amazing every year every day <laughs> let's start <laughs> step by step every day okay so a couple of things one yeah let's uh pivot to the podcast so high level podcast highly recommend it i'll put it in the show notes um i'll put the yeah. link uh you gratefully had me on your show last year so i'll put the mm-hmm. link below um people can tune in when did you start your podcast and why So my very first interviews were in 2017, a long time ago. And I was watching a lot of Impact Theory and Tom Bilyeu. And that inspired me to, okay, I want to do the same. I want to bring the best people that I know, have a sit-down conversation and ask them all the things that I want to know. And funny enough, I kept working and getting better. And now I'm a creative producer working with Tom and I produce things for his podcast. So that's how I started. That's what inspired me. And I've just kept doing it throughout the years, doing the the shutdown I stopped because I love doing it in person and then I started again last year and now we have a bit over 40 episodes and my goal is just to keep doing it forever you know for the next decade or longer because there's something super fun about sitting down having a conversation with someone talking about ideas talking about what's happening in life you know with me I like to talk a lot you like to talk a lot so (laughs) you just find people who like to talk and then you sit down and you have that outlet and I just enjoy it so much I've had so many fun people in the podcast. I had you, we talked about film and your career and acting and uh, the Web3 world and everything that is happening over there. 
and I had other filmmakers, I had actors, I had photographers. So it's super fun when I get to do that. Yeah. Shout out to Peter Hurley. Love Peter. And I met him because of you. You had him on your podcast. I'm like a walking, talking billboard for Peter Hurley, nonstop mm. reels because of you, FYI. And um, like a ripple effect. That's how it is. Like da, 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 da. That's what you introduce good people to good people. And then they're like, da, 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 da. and it's, a, it's an energy. And you, you put that out into the world. You know, that's who you are. And it's just like, whoo, that ripples like, and it just goes. But also recently you had Lisa on your podcast too. And Lisa has women of impact and she's Greek. She's a fellow Greek. She's like so bad. A double S amazing. I should be able to swear on my own show. I'm such a prude sometimes, but like, okay, like circle back around. So these are like powerhouses on your show. So let, let's circle back around for people who don't know Tom and Lisa. They're married. You can tell their story better than I can because you're with them every single day of your life. From my interpretation, because my sister turned me on to Tom years ago, like like she's watched every single one of his episodes at least two or three times in a row. And some of these episodes are like two to four hours long. Like she is like listening in the background, sleeping to Tom, Dr. Huberman, Dr. Joe Dispenza, like the list goes on. Rich Roll. Tom and Lisa are married. They have, they started Quest Nutrition. It became like this multi-billion dollar company. Then they started Impact Theory. They have five podcasts now that are in the millions. They're very, very successful. And Lisa has Women of Impact, which is awesome for women empowerment and things of that nature. So circling back around, let's hone it in to you. You are their creative producer. Like, I mean, it, and it's like, it's not some produ big production company like Disney or Paramount. Like it's all independent and it's all like, like a love that you love that vibe people who are doing all this high quality content making an impact educating others being a part of the ripple effect i mean and then they all pivoted into uh web3 as well and you know you mentioned web3 like you're in web3 as well events things of that nature so let's just kind of like just go on that journey anything that comes up for you with uh tom and lisa and and just like you said like you know being around certain people but like you're having meals with these people like you're in their home you're knowing what they're reading you're 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 with all the guests that they have on their show which are all like the four thought leaders of the world but like you surround yourself by choice it's the quality of choices that you actually make the quality of choices which stems from earlier your gratitude right like your gratitude your outlook like people want to be around that right so you're around these like certain kinds of people take it away and dive in with some of the things i just mentioned like what that means for you and, and how are those experiences for you? Yeah, for me, it has been quite surreal, uh, that trip. You know, I started watching the interviews and watching all the content when I was in film school. And I said to myself, if these guys are starting a studio, I want to be part of that because they opened my eyes to what could be possible when you decide that you want to go after something bigger than yourself. So a lot of the times you will have these ideas and people will talk about things on podcasts and you can either choose to be a passive listener or an active doer. So for me, you know, I came from another country and I just see opportunity everywhere I go. So when I saw what the interviews and all the people that they were interviewing and everything that they were doing, I was like, I want to be part of that. So when I came to LA, I found a way to go to a live event that they had. They have an online university. And I was thinking, you know, people are going to join that online university. Then I get to make friends that are also thinking and listening 
about with the same topics and the same intention. So how's, that is how everything led to me actually being able to work on the team. So I did work for Lisa as a freelancer for about a year while I was working at a movie at Sony as, as a location manager. And then the opportunity came where I could come on board on the team. So it's been a bit over two years that I've been working directly in the Impact Theory team. And it's very rewarding, but also very challenging because we're not playing games. Like it's a real company. They are not just blowing away their money that they made with Quest. And that's what people might think. Oh, they just can do the interviews and do whatever because they just have capital to burn. That's not at all how it works. We operate as a real startup where they have like the, the studio, it's out of like their home. And that's how it has been for the last like six years. We don't have some fancy studio. We have like what we can make work and we find creative ways of make it professional and make it look amazing. So this last few years have been really good and I've learned a lot about business. But also it's like you work with people that at some point you idolize or you put up on a pedestal and then you realize they're just regular people. They they have bad days, they have family problems, they have pets, they have like sometimes they're tired. Like everyone that comes to shoot, the, the guests are super excited, but also they're just regular people. They need to do the same things that you and I do. And seeing that from up close has also taught me that I can dream to attain the goals that they have accomplished. And it's okay. I just need to put in the work. Yeah. And that's another thing that I really admire about them. They have a, a really tremendous work ethic. They're not just playing games and enjoying their fortune, you know, even though they don't need to work, they have enough money to last them five lifetimes at the highest level of luxury that you can think of, but they still choose to wake up and do the work that they want to do. And it's very inspiring and really fun, like to be around Tom and around Lisa and like, get to make things together, you know? Yeah, I love everything you said. Thank you so much for sharing. And one of the things you mentioned is not having some big storefront, not having it be so like glammed out and like waste all this like money. Would you just like, let's, what can we build and what can be bare basic to have something that's functional instead of like wasting that money so we can reinvest in ourselves. And I think that's how you say grounded and raw. And it really dismantles the SOS, the shiny object syndrome of like having to have all those things in the illusion, which gives people the excuse like, oh, or the comparison. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have this pretty chandelier. I have this small lamp instead of this chandelier. So I can't do X, Y, and Z, which stops people from creating. So if you just do bare minimum, like when you go to an acting class, and you're on stage, you literally have like a table, a chair and like the stage. And it's like you use your imagination for the rest, but you just do you have the stage and you just it's about like the energy and what you can bring to it. And it really keeps one grounded and keep to the basics. It's a great reminder for the person tuning in. And I know for me, because when I was hearing you like with who I am and what I do, and I've been practicing minimalism since 2012, but still like I have this I attach the exterior materialistic world in a way of luxury and glam and all of these things to feel in such a way because it feels good and you want to be like recognized and attached to those things that are just things but when you dismantle it and it's like you get to the bones of like my hair and my eyes and my smile and my heart and my health and be able just to communicate like this it's like those things are the things that actually move the needle forward that makes us feel something that make us move to connect and tell stories so I feel like it takes a lot of psychological work 
to remember to remember and to get to that finite details of what matters. So then what happens? You go to your you have the way you are, you go to the school, you make your choices. And because then you do that, you're connected to these fine people in the world, not only them, but that bring all the finest people in the world. In addition, in your hands and every day, and I was on your Instagram stories today, you're around all all this equipment, like the camera and the lighting and you're so with your hands, you're filmmaking every day and you're being paid for it. And you do what you love every single day. And people are like, how can I do what I love every single day? So if people want to like rewind and listen to this episode and just follow your lead, like listen to your podcast, you do videos, like listen to your words, the quality of the questions that you ask, you know, like walk the walk, talk the talk, take your energy and your time and actually go through the journey and the process and get real and dismantle like what's not serving us. And, you know, and you can be a guiding light for these people no matter where they are in the world, you know, and, and thank you. Thank you for sharing your voice and those stories. It's just so super epic wow like wow thank you of course my pleasure (sighs) i just need a minute to like breathe it's so good (laughs) wow so so let's talk about your new film on apple so literary inc uh we shot and followed four different tattoo artists and at the end of the film all of these artists and more come to a convention where they celebrated the art of tattooing, but also the whole world of Harry Potter and the wizards and, you know, all that fantasy. So the film is very visually interesting. Uh, you know, the art of tattooing, they create the art and they put it on the skin and then you have all the ink and the needles. It's very interesting to look at. And I was really, like for a while, I was obsessed with that and the imagery that comes with that. And then the story, I have the four artists that we follow. One lady was from Tennessee. Another one was one of my my best friends from Cuba. So we actually went to Cuba to film with his family, tell the whole story of how he came from there and then created a new life for himself in America and what he left behind. And this other girl from Australia also came to Tennessee for the convention and she talked about how she got started and what moved her Mm. to create these beautiful pieces. Like Katie, this lady tattoos on like entire back pieces. Mm -hmm. She creates this most beautiful things. And they're painting with ink on human skin and it stays there forever, which I think mm. is crazy. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a it was a journey, very interesting to make that film and being able to complete it. It's a feature film, have the the agents reach out to me. They wanted to find distribution for it. Then we got a deal with Gravitas Ventures to distribute it in North America. And now the film is in the UK and Poland and South Korea and some airlines and in the US, like you can find it on any major like Apple TV, Amazon Prime, YouTube premium and all of those things. So it's super interesting to me. And, you know, I was really proud about it. I was also very scared that it was going to fail, that I wasn't going to shoot all of this and it wasn't going to amount to anything. So I definitely learned a lot and it inspired me to every time project is hard or anything gets in the way of what I want to do. I just have to use that as a reminder. You know, you already made a movie. It was really hard, but you know what you're doing. Like, keep going. Yeah. So that's basically the the story of Literary Inc. 
Yeah, congratulations. A couple of questions just from like a filmmaker producer standpoint. So the question, how many days did it take you to shoot it? How many shoot days did you actually have? And then what was the the whole, did you shoot it right away? Or was it shoot? Then you had to go to Cuba and Tennessee. So you were traveling all over. So what was the accumulative time of shooting it? And then actually how many shoot dates did you have? All in all, it was about three weeks, but we had one week in Tennessee where we shot the whole convention and everything related to that. Then we went to Cuba and shot for about a week in Cuba. Then we came back and went to Oakland for about three days. And that was the extent of everything that we shot. So under 20 days, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then the budget, like what was the budget? And then what was the budget? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like (laughs) what was the, what was the desired budget? And then what was the budget? And then what was actually the budget? (laughs) Yeah. So we kept it under a hundred thousand dollars all in. Uh, I called in a lot of favors. We had to buy some equipment that then I was able to keep. We invested in it ourselves. So the two of the artists and me, we put up the the initial money to pay for all the travel, the meals, the extra equipment that we needed to rent, the equipment that we bought, and to pay the crew members that we hired for the days that I needed them. Uh, We had to pay for the flights to go to Cuba. There I had to get a small crew and shoot over there. Then post-production took out. And how was it? With the choices that you made and the crews that you found, did you make good choices? Was it like, did you have to reshoot anything? Like how, like as a filmmaker, like what are some questions if they're going to go to another country? Like obviously you speak the language, it's your Mm -hmm. land. But if someone were to go to another country or, or to another state and they need to whip up a film crew like like where do they go and what are a couple questions you want to vet out do they sign anything do you pay them after like how does that work like you know what i mean like if it's like yes for me was i mean going to cuba and shooting there was really easy for me because i'm from there yeah and i took less equipment than what i had for the main uh, shooting days that we did in the u.s and my brother was in cuba at the time he's also a filmmaker so i had him to help me with the other people that i needed so Mm. when you go to a country like cuba or similar uh you have to bring everything is cash so you have to bring money in cash to be able to pay people uh you pay them on the day so like you need to make sure that they show up for the thing that you're doing and after you finish shooting you pay them if you have a few days in a row like you can pay them at the end of each day you can make the payment mm-hmm. uh, that works uh, perfectly or because you also want them to be safe and know that you're going to pay them because a lot of people will come from another country it seems like they have a lot of money but then they screw over the locals so you don't want to yeah. do that either oh you know? yeah so the other thing that I, I made mistakes in terms of sound mm. i didn't have the proper equipment from for sound yeah. i went cheap on the sound because i'm more of a visual person so i screw myself over with that big time because then some files were ruined some interviews, the sound was poor. Uh, so then I had to major headaches in post to make those things work. So if I were going to do it again, that's something that I'm definitely going to do different. I'm not going to do it myself. I'm going to hire someone to do the sound who has the proper equipment, who knows what they're doing. Uh, that's, I think, one of the main things that I would take away from doing a movie independently like that is leaning to the things that you can do yourself, but also also, you need to be aware of what are the things that you don't know how to do. Find someone who knows what they're doing because you are going to pay for it. It's going to be worse to go yeah. cheap 
and then have a bad product, yeah, I would definitely recommend hire for the roles that you have no idea how to do. And two other things, I would love to have your take on it. Uh, two other things, protection and safety. So like make sure craft service, like everyone's fed, hydrated, like you always have to have snacks to make sure they're, they're feeling taken care of because there's a lot of waiting around and just simple chocolate and food and bananas and proteins like that keep people happy. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is um, protection, like a, a safety guard or something like a bodyguard, because like if you're having all this equipment and like you're paying these people, like you could get jumped or something like that, you know, like even in America, America or like wherever. So what do you think about like protection and safety for like, how do you nurture and take care of the people on your set, the crew and the, and the talent and utilizing their time that, you know, that they're there and then out? like scheduling wise and make sure you're, you know, you're minimalizing. So there's a lot of moving parts and stress on set. And then also the safety of your, the crew and the equipment too. Yeah. hundred percent agree with you on that. Food is the one thing that I never want to be cheap on. And my trick is the following. Make sure the first time that you are going to have people eat, spend a lot of money. So they feel from the beginning, they have no doubt that they feel appreciated Mm -hmm. because when you have people working for you, there is a big difference between a guy that is doing the camera like this and a guy that is really in tune, being careful, paying attention to the detail. And you want that across every single role that you have on the set. So from the beginning, if they see the first meal, you wow people with the meal that you're providing. That makes everyone feel that you know what you're doing. It's funny, Katie, but it works. If you give people like shitty pizza and soda and that's it, like, you know, two hours into the shoot, everyone is going to feel like, yeah. But if you find a beautiful meal and you find whatever people like to eat, if you have that at the beginning, everyone is like, oh, wow, like this is serious. This is professional. Like this, like we need to do something good because it's a mental, yeah. psychological thing. Yeah. When yeah. you yeah. do something nice for someone. Yeah. You set the precedence in the beginning. It's like it's how you it's like how you set it up, you know, from the get go. So then you're like here. Right? <laughs> Yeah. And then what about your, I mean, you had your brother and his friends who are probably your friends, but like, what about safety and protection of like, you know, having this expensive equipment that I know that you have, maybe not this project, but a different one. Like, what are some safeguards you do to make sure like your stuff's locked? You're not getting jumped. People are knowing where you're parking and you have your gear, your equipment. Any tips for a young filmmaker? Yes. That part for sure, traveling overseas and doing that, I was not prepared. So when I came into customs, uh, we got detained. They wanted to take away our hard drives and some of the equipment. So I had to play hard to get. With that, I would say I need to do a better job at the protection side of things. Mm-hmm. And mm. moving around the country and all that for me was easy and simple because I'm a local. What I would say if you're going into another country and you're from America, hire a local producer to be your guy and then you need to do a really good job at selecting that one person but if you choose them correctly then they're going to bring people around that will help you with the entire project and you will be safe and everything will be okay most of these countries have the bad reputation of being unsafe but the reality is all of those countries in latin america people just want to make a living and make money so as long as you go in with that attitude knowing that people are not out there looking to hurt you or anything like that i think you're going 
going to enjoy your time and not be stressed out about things that are out of your control. And then if you hire someone local that can help you with everything and hire maybe a person to help with security, then you're going to be like your mind is not going to be occupied by safety because you took care of that and then you can focus on your art and your creativity. But definitely like go and shoot out in other countries because the light is going to be different, the language, the smells, everything is going to be more creativity is going to come out of that. And if you need to shoot something something in Cuba, I'm your guy. Call me up and we'll help you out. There you go. There you go. You can curate it and make it happen just from Hollywood. Love that. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. And one thing that came up for me of like some youngsters thinking, well, how do I pick the right person? Well, ask to see the real. I just ask to see what they've produced before. Hire someone who has something to show you and then get references. And so you can call and ask like how they were on the production, you know? So that's like, I mean, you can just do your own research in in that kind of way, you know, get someone. Yeah. And I would try to hire people people that your friends recommend to you. Everything that I do is with people that someone else is recommending. So I don't go very rarely, I will go just to Google someone somewhere. It's like if I need someone to shoot something in New York, I'm going to ask Peter or I'm going to ask my other friends there. Yeah. And if you're going to shoot something in another country, just you have to think, who do I know that might know someone? And then you go with them because like those crazy, like Craigslist ads about going and shoot something. Uh, I, I think that's very tricky and it could lead to problems. Yeah, it's just ugh, gross. Ew, ew, cool. Yeah, and then with social media, I mean, you can find great people, you know, by using proper hashtags, right? Filmmaker in Toronto, filmmaker Oklahoma, or director, producer, like hashtag, mm-hmm. like niche it down. Yeah, very cool, very cool. You know, something I wanted to sh- share earlier that just came circled around again, something about your actions and your character and who you are and like creating and what you're doing. Because, you know, me as a filmmaker, creator and what I'm doing I actually had a project called Culture Kids and like I all of a sudden went into pre-production because I had the opportunity to, to shoot it at our Basel in December one thing led to another and with like this person and I ended up talking with you about it and I was gonna direct it and you had something going on and you were talking me through it like whatever it was you knew I you know have some kind of anxiety or like you don't judge and I was just figuring it out and maybe it wasn't gonna work out with this person who was gonna do it who was gonna shoot it because he got cold feet at the last minute he just like didn't show up and like and then like his schedule like wasn't available and then when it was available it wasn't available anyway you were doing something and I had like like the three dates and you're like I'm available this day and this day I'm not I'm shooting something it was in Marina Del Rey or something but you're like I'm available at this time and like you were finishing and then you were like going to be able to leave that and then come and support me and like you're a yes person and you were just going to come support me and just because you said yes even though you ended up not doing it you held this emotional support for me so sometimes as creatives and friends and filmmakers just by talking each other through it and asking certain questions like you were gonna you were going to allow me to borrow some of your equipment and I was going to give you like a producer credit on it because you obtained the you were giving us this like high quality camera and like so you were a part of it like spiritually and creatively making it happen and then there was like talks of me of 
they're like, oh, yeah, when we get it financed, when like everyone gets paid out and I made a budget, I'm like, how much would this rental equipment be for sound or for the camera and then pay you out for that, like for equipment and not only as a producer, but for bringing that. So there's ways of moving through. Like I found it doesn't have to be so like exact. Yes or no. Like there's things in between, but just like I'm, I'm doing culture kids and now it's not a series. They're independent episodes. They stand alone. And so one, I know you want to direct. So knowing you want to direct and that you are a director as a filmmaker, I want to come to you and say, I want you to shoot this, you know, and honor you as a director and create that way with one another. You know, what I went through and what I was experiencing, just your sincerity, your sensitivity, just by like holding space. Like it wasn't like, no, no, Katie, I can't do it. Like, you're like, yeah, I'll come after and do it and this and that. It ended up melting a different way and it will. But if you get around people who are good people who just support, like it's really important for us to like support ourselves with like the dream makers and the creators because even though it might be in our mind to be this way, it it, it will mostly be something else. A lot, a lot of the times, uh, I just wanted to say thank you. Like that really, really meant a lot to me. Thank you. And You're welcome. I hold you dear to my heart. You know, for you on the other side, what's, you know, you were talking about psychology earlier. What's your process of like emotional support and befriending other people when it comes to creating content? Because you do it so elegantly, I would say, you know, like, it's so graceful, who you are, and how you lead. What are some attributes that you could share with others so they can be more like you? Thank you. I think it comes from a genuine desire to just make friends. And you're really good at it. too. you're even better than me, you're genuinely interested in making connections with so many people. So when you are only thinking about what you can get out of a person, you're going to get less. So like, just think about it. Even if you're going to be cynical for a little bit and try to get the most out of people, the best way to get the most out of people is to actually care about them and find ways to provide some kind of value for them. And then they're going to want to do the same for you. So hands down, if you're trying to take advantage of people and cut corners here and there, eventually you're just going to lose. Like you are going to lose. If someone like me comes along and I'm genuinely interested and I do what I can and it's at my hand to help someone, then I'm putting a seed and later on that person is going to come back and help. Now, this sounds very cheesy and people think, oh, this is super cheesy. It doesn't work. I'm telling you, you're going to make more money, get more credits, be more famous if you actually help people out. Because I've had so many projects that out of the blue, people text me. I haven't talked to them in two years and they have a project for me. They have something that they need my help on. They want me to consult on something and then I end up becoming an executive producer because when we take the call, I actually read the script and I actually have ideas of how they can make that project better. So if you want to get further along in your career or whatever it is that you're doing, just take a time to actually care about the person, provide some value, and that will always come back to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love that. I love all of that. I would like to take it a bit further if, if that's cool. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no comparison, and it's very sweet you said what you said, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I yearn to be that way, and I, I lead the way this way. But what if you do it so much? How what are some good tips to check in? Because what if it's not reciprocated? There are a lot of bad people out there where you feel like, you know, hopeful, but but it's not. 
and and you're so blind to it because you see the good in people or you know yeah. they'll come around but when do you like when do you cut the corners or stop pouring out like how do you check in yeah. to make sure it's reciprocated and mm-hmm. that let's just start there how do we like how do we find out how do we like if we how do we know if it's reciprocated if it's not reciprocated and and how do we pivot out if it's not reciprocated how do we make sure it's reciprocated it's a lot that's a really good question. Yeah. yeah, it's a really good question, Katie. What I would say is trust your initial gut instinct. Mm. You have it, I have it, everyone has that initial, like if something feels funny about the person, run. Don't entertain it. Don't, a lot of the times you're going to, you are going to be so positive and you want to see the best. So you are going to diminish your own alarm. Like your alarm is going to go off and you, because you want things to be good, you're going to be like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, it's okay. If that initial response and reaction that you have towards the person is a little bit like tingly, don't invest too much on it. And then the other thing that I would say is do things that you do for these people align with your own goals and priorities. So for example, I remember one time, even with that same project, you asked me, oh, I want you to shoot it. And I remember saying specifically, Katie, like, I I love you. I want to help you, but I'm directing. So from now on, I'm not going to go and shoot. I'm going to direct. So that way you can create a boundary where you are willing to help the person. But now if I go and do it, I'm also helping myself. And I was like, whoa, because I was like proud. I was like, whoa, like I didn't know. And I'm like, yo, word. But now that I knew, I'm like, now I'm like running. I'm like, oh, cool. Have them direct. Offer them a directing role, you know, so I can see you do your best work and, and, and lift you up, which is what I want to do. But unless you communicate it, I wouldn't know. Exactly. So some Sometimes when we communicate to other people, when we're playing ourselves small, we don't speak up. We're actually not giving our friends an opportunity to lift us up higher. And we get upset Mm -hmm. that our friends aren't offering things, but we need to educate and treat and teach people how to treat us. So I loved that you did it. A hundred percent. Yeah. People don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They have no idea. Like you are really good. Whenever I'm at an event with you and you talk to people, you always tell them I have, you have 200 projects, right? But you always tell them I'm an actress and speaker and I have a podcast she's all over the place top 1% out of this many podcasts so like in a sentence you're giving them clear communication of who you are what you're all about and what you're proud of and what you want to keep building so people need to stop being afraid of speaking up and saying what they actually want it, you cannot complain about people walking all over you if you haven't said, hey, I don't want to be walked all over. This yeah. is what I want, or this is my rate, or this is why I would do this. And you know, if yeah. for me, it's really hard to say no to any project because mm-hmm. I have this desire to like, I'm an overachiever. I want to have my hands on everything. I want to be part of everything. So it's really hard to say no. But if you don't learn how to say yes to the right thing, you're never going to be available to actually show up and shine for the right thing. And that will both protect you, make your career flourish, and will also protect you from people coming and taking your time, even if they mean well, because that's the worst. You know, when you have a friend that they ask you for help and you show up and you help them and they have no idea that you are kind of irritated or you you feel like you're wasting your time a little bit, even though you like them and you want to help them. It might be because you're not communicating properly what it is that you want or what it is that you need. 
just to make that time worth the investment. I think for me, and this is something I've learned, you know, listening to so many podcasts and working with Tom, I take responsibility. If I'm unhappy in a job or a gig, it's my fault. And it's very easy to go and complain about, oh, the producer is taking advantage of me or the production company is not paying me in time or whatever. At the end of the day, it's my fault. I said yes to the gig and I've had to walk away from big projects. A lot of money was being offered for me to work on this one specific project, but it was bringing so much anxiety and I, w- I was not being respected and yeah. my expertise were not being taken into consideration. And I had to say no. And it was for a huge brand, huge event, like the biggest yeah. that, I, that I could say, and yeah. I'm not going to speak about it in detail, yeah. but I had to say no. And you know what, Katie? It felt so good afterwards. I felt free yeah. because now I don't have to pretend for a month that I like these people and that this job is so amazing. Because at the end of the day, man, your time and your life and your happiness is way more important than any big job that you're going to do, any big acting gig or directing gig. If you're going to hate it, you don't get that time back. Yeah. You don't get the the stress and all of that. Man, it's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, going to a scientific level, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who says we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day, 90% of our thoughts are the same thoughts. If you're going to a job for 30 days and you're going against your own, what everything you were just saying, you're firing and wiring new synapses. And then it's going to go to your like emotional sensory, to your amygdala. You're going to be frowning upside down. Like you're, and then the job's over. You're going to be paid, but you're feeling miserable inside because you were like talking all this smack and regretting it like for 30 days, 24 7 times 30 is a lot. So that's going to like live with. So like you said, the the amount of money and the time you can't you can't get back. So I I really love that. I want to narrow it in as we were wrapping it up here, because you mentioned, you know, checking in with the alignment of the value and the people and if it's reciprocated. Ever since I was a kid, I always called it a rake like a garden and like I would have this beautiful garden and I'm sowing all these seeds and every three months I do a rake to rake away the duds and then oh I see what stayed and I just keep nurturing and watering and planting and watering them and having them grow and building a little garden and then I do a rake but it looks like I I personally would like to take what you said and take my rake in a new way and now on a psychological level write down some of these people I'm associated with on multi-dimensional levels and tune in to see, I don't care how long they've been in my life, but tune in now to see if it's being reciprocated. Because what happens is what you said, if you don't run in the initial, that initial thing, if you don't run, then you're dimming your light, dimming your light, you're not listening to yourself. So then we get, that's how we get lost and twisted in that thing, because we don't, we're not listening to our authentic selves. We're not listening to our own voices. We're doing something we didn't want to do from, from the beginning, but we didn't tune in and listen to that. So now we're like in it and we don't know how we got here. So like for me, like I need to like sit down and like really kind of go through that list. So it takes work, but like just write it down and go with that initial intuitive hit, like you said, yeah. to kind of like tune in. I would be refurbish our relationships, <laughs> like tune in to like see like which ones need to be plucked away, right? And how can we yeah. gracefully dismantle and let those go? I think that's very smart. And that's very, uh, that shows how self-aware you can be. To that list, I would add, even before I do that list, I would start with, what are the like three or four things that you want to accomplish in your life this year? And then whenever any of those people come to you with a request or uh, spending time together or going to an event, 
does that person and that activity lines up with the goal and the things that you want to do? Because if you don't know where you're going, you're going to be pulled 10 different directions. And I think we as creatives struggle with this a lot, at least for me personally, I want to do everything. I want to do every project. I want to go everywhere. There's so many events, there's so many things, but I think this is something that I have learned in the last couple of years, working in more of a corporate structure and seeing how direction is directly related to your results. If you can do that to your life too, you know, and keep it simple, man, keep it simple. Like life is already pretty complicated. Keep your goals simple, two to three goals, and then keep your relationships pretty simple too. And I think that would allow you to enjoy your time with those people even better. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so grateful. And you are invited on She's All Over the Place. Anytime, anytime, anytime. Thank you, Katie. Thank yeah. you. Hopefully you get to come back. I'm going to try to go to the that studio open house. And yeah, yeah always enjoyed seeing you and you're super happy. And you're always trying to find the best in everyone and trying to connect everyone with everyone so i really appreciate your your time and you keeping me in mind for everything yeah yeah I, and thank you for seeing that in me it's just it's it's my natural thing like everyone has their thing and it's just mm -hmm. it makes me feel good i like it that's it because like people you know like connecting people it's what life to me that's what it's about you know you know you know you know you know because you know you get it with that being said oh my gosh gold tree studios if you heard it here first goldtreestudios.com on instagram gold tree studios it's g-o-l-d tree t-r-e-e -E, studios they have a new post-production facility in los angeles with all the most advanced tech you can think of for your film project for music tv um you name it um they have eight editing bays there so check out gold tree studios studios say she's all over the place sent you and they'll give you a discount in addition if you want your tv show or your film finance they have a finance department so you can submit your project and um, connect with gold tree studios gold tree studios the link will be in the show notes below you have just experienced axel x on she's all over the place we'll see you next week thank you so much for joining us we'll see you next time kiriaki over and out <laughs>